We are in week three of our series called Lessons from Quarantine. And in this series, we're taking the things that we're hearing being talked about across our nation, uh, things that we're hearing from conversations that we're having with you, even things that we are learning and experiencing ourselves. And, and we ask the question, what lessons can we learn that will help us to move forward? Now, I know I've learned a lot about myself already during quarantine. I'm an introvert. And so the first few weeks of this were absolutely magical, but the longer this has gone, on, the more my right eye is beginning to, to twitch, being away from people. Uh, I put on the COVID-19 pounds. I think most of that came on in the first two weeks, so that was very exciting. And I've discovered that I really only like pants with an elastic waistband. Now, a lot of families are starting to learn more about themselves as well. I know a lot of families are, are starting to play games, which means uh, people are, are being written out of wills. Uh, Laura and I actually created a, a brand new game, and, and it's called Why Do You Do It That Way? No one wins at that game. It's, it's just a terrible, terrible game. And, and so I actually do want to play just a quick game with you wherever you are. We're going to call this quarantine bingo. I'm just going to give you a few things and, and just honor system, mark it down like a, like a bingo board or whatever. If you've done this during the past 12 weeks, here's the, the first one. If you didn't get out of bed for a full day, you go ahead and give yourself a mark. That doesn't mean that you didn't do Zoom meetings, right? You just did them from bed. So you can just kind of honor system there. If you lay down during a shower at any point, you just, I just need to, we're not judging. That's okay. You give yourself a point for that one. Uh, if you Googled, when will this end at any point during the past 12 weeks, give yourself a, a check for that. Uh, fourth one is, is this, if you stooped to a whole new low and you downloaded TikTok, uh, then you definitely get one. If you're over the age of 21, give yourself two for that. Cause that's just, it's embarrassing. It really is. Here, here's another one. If you've been late for online church, you go ahead and, and give yourself one. I, I think I just heard somebody yell bingo from home, prob, probably from their bedroom because they haven't gotten out of, of bed yet. There's a lot of lessons that we are learning during this whole quarantine thing. Some of them are good, but for a lot of us, I think we're discovering some things that maybe need to change in our lives. Let me ask you this question. Do you remember when, when you first heard the statement, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Now, that statement was made pretty early on in, in the quarantine process, right? And, and, and it's been incredibly accurate. And, and honestly, as we've watched over the past few weeks, we discovered too that this isn't just limited to the pandemic. And this really shouldn't surprise us because a couple of weeks ago, Mike started this entire series by talking about the fact that, that our world is broken, that it's deteriorating all the time. And so we can expect things to get worse before they get better. And as a result, then one of the, the top things that are, is being talked about, one of the top things that is being written about, one of the top things that I'm seeing statistics about is this whole topic of fear. And maybe for you, you would say, well, it's anxiety or worry, or, or maybe you're even to the extreme that you would call it panic. Maybe it's health fears. Maybe you're afraid of catching the virus. Maybe, maybe it's a fear of, of sharing the virus with someone else. Uh, fears of just going out in public. Do I wear a mask or, or don't I wear a mask? Do I go during the day or at night? Maybe relationship fears. For the extroverts out there, how do I handle being by myself for much longer? For those of you that are, you maybe you have a roommate or in a, in a family context, how much longer can we keep living in this same house, in this same space together? 
For some, it's, it's learning how to teach and, and being now a, a teacher as well as doing your job and, and normal life. And maybe it's even the fear of what happens if school doesn't come back this year. There's been a lot of financial fears. What happens if I lose my job? What happens if I lose my savings? A fear of not being able to, to pay the bills. Future fears. I know this week there are a lot of high school students that are doing modified graduations. There's college students that are wondering what's going to happen to next year with lost college years. Weddings that have been postponed or, or delayed or, or radically changed during this quarantine time period. Even toilet paper fears, right? There's been all kinds of different fears that we've been dealing with. I read some statistics that were just released by the American Psychiatric Association just a few weeks ago, and, and, and it was kind of shocking. 48% of Americans are anxious about getting the virus. It said that 40% of Americans are, are anxious about becoming seriously ill or dying from the virus. 62% of Americans are, are anxious about the possibility of, of spreading it to their, their family members or to loved ones. I mean, those are serious fears. 57% of adults are, are, are afraid that there's going to be negative impacts on their finances. 68% of Americans are dealing with fear that, that our economy is just not going to bounce back to the way it was. More than one-third of Americans say that the coronavirus is, is having serious impacts on their mental health. Not, not just impacts on their mental health, but serious impacts. And 59% have said that it has had a, a serious impact on their day today living. In fact, this was the quote that they released. It said, the stress and anxiety caused by the pandemic can and is having an effect on people's physical and mental health. See, every day we get prayer requests here at the church, and, and I will keep these anonymous, but I just wanted to share just parts of a couple of them that just came in this week. One said, I fear that I will not survive my current situation. Another person wrote in and said, I, I'm struggling with anxiety. I have anxiety and it consumes my mind and fills it with stress and worry. See, no matter how easy or how hard quarantine has been for you, we all deal with fears in our lives. Relationship fears, health fears, financial fears, future fears. The problem is, is that most of us, we just don't deal with those fears in the right way or we don't deal with them in a, in a healthy way. And the result is that fear begins to rob us of things. It robs us of our joy. It's, it's really hard, if not impossible, to have joy when you're afraid. What happens is it, it shifts our focus. We start looking at the negative. We look at the troubles that we're having in our lives. We, we, we look at, at the hopeless side of things. It leads to uh, discouragement and, and even depression. Fear clouds our judgment. It causes us to shift our focus maybe away from other people and, and more to ourselves. It causes us to make quick and, and careless decisions. I love the story of the guy that has a, a beware of dog sign on his fence and, and his neighbor one day looks over the fence and he sees it. There's just this little foo-foo dog over on the other side. And he said, why do you have that sign? That dog's not going to hurt anyone. He said, no, but the, the sign will scare some people. Right? And sometimes just seeing those things, it, it begins to cloud our judgment. Fear also breeds more fear. It just begins to spiral in our lives. Mark Twain said this about fear. He said, I've been through some terrible times in my life, a few of which actually happened. Statistics tell us that 95% of our fears don't actually happen in our lives. But this stat, I think, is, is absolutely true. 100% of our fears impact the way that we think it impacts the way that we feel. It impacts the way that we live our lives. And so as we navigate through these unknowns of what is now known as our, our new normal, or even as we just deal with any kind of fear in our lives, the question that we have to ask is, what can I do about it? 
Now, maybe you've heard a lot of people talking about things like faith and fear or faith versus fear or faith over fear. And, and maybe you're wondering, what, is that even, what does that even really mean? One day Jesus talked about both of those things. And I think we have, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from Jesus of how our faith shows up, especially in the middle of our fears. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Mark chapter four. Uh, You can find the notes there on the app and you can uh, join along as well. Mark four, beginning at verse 35 says this. That day when Jesus came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leave the crowd behind And they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats that went with him, right? And so even people from the crowd, they began to follow Jesus. And it says in verse 37, a a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. The Sea of Galilee, where where this takes place, where this story happens, it's surrounded by mountains and high hills and, and the pressure changes that happen. It's just, it's a common occurrence for there to be sudden and even violent storms that happen. In 1986, archaeologists discovered a a fishing boat from that era, and it had very low sides on it. And so you can imagine for these disciples how vulnerable they were feeling as they were probably in a boat with low sides in very high tides as those waves were crashing over the top. They were feeling like they were to a point of, of close to sinking. A few years ago, we have friends that have a boat and they invited us out and uh, we went out to Jordan Lake and the radar was clear. It was a gorgeous day when we started, but welcome to North Carolina, right? Things can change in, in 15 minutes. And all of a sudden we noticed while we were out on the lake, this, this giant black cloud and then there was lightning and thunder and sheets of rain coming. And so we tried to, to make a run for it. We saw a bridge in front of us and, and we thought, man, maybe we can just kind of hide out under the bridge and, and get through the storm. It was a great idea. The problem was there was about 25 boats that were closer than we were. Uh, and so it was already taken care of and there was no place for us to, to stay there. And so we decided we were just going to try and outrun it and hope that it maybe changed direction or maybe it just stopped. But eventually we ran out of lake and, and the storm caught up to us. And it was ice cold water was pouring down. There was still thunder and, and lightning in the, in the distance. And I grabbed the tube and tried to hold it over the girls in the boat just to try and keep them dry. But it was serious and, and it was scary. Can you imagine being one of the disciples in, in this situation, right? It doesn't matter how fast they bailed water. It was never going to be fast enough. Most of them were experienced fishermen. And so they knew they couldn't swim against the wind. And they knew if they swam with it, they would just end up farther out to sea. Last week, Laura and I got a chance to go to the beach for a day and, and the current was super strong. And, and so just a few minutes in the ocean and you ended up like about half a mile down the beach. The disciples were stuck in, in a very serious storm. See, when storms blow into our lives suddenly, there's, there's a set of questions that I think all of us go through, questions that are actually in, in this story. Here's the first one. It's, did God cause this? Now, Mark doesn't record this as a question, but you know the disciples had to be asking it, right? And, and how do I know that? Well, it's because it says that Jesus put them in that storm. See, it's been a long day of teaching. They were surrounded by crowds. You know there were some needy people there, and, and they were all exhausted. And it was Jesus' idea that said, hey, let's go and, and let's cross the sea. And we know that he's God, right? Which means that he knows all things. And so it, it leads to that question, well, why would God put them in that situation? It's important for us to understand that Jesus will put you in uncomfortable places. Sometimes he's even going to put us in in difficult places. And I know that's hard for some of us to understand. Some of us think that, well, Jesus would never put me in an uncomfortable spot, right? Life is full of of puppies and and donuts. Or, Or maybe this, Jesus cares about my comfort, doesn't he? 
Well, that's not promised anywhere in the Bible. In fact, I would say it's, it's the opposite. Jesus cares more about our character. He cares more about us becoming more like him. And, and so I can't answer whether God caused the storm or whether he simply allowed it. I don't think it really matters. But I do know that Jesus put them in the middle of that storm. And I do know that our lives are, are filled with trials all the time. And so instead of blaming God when, when storms roll into our lives, what if instead we change the, the perspective and instead we ask God, God, what do you want to teach me through this storm that I'm in? Look at verse 38. Jesus was in the stern. Remember, the, the boat is taking on water, right? The wind and, and the waves, this crazy storm. And it, and it says that Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? See, the disciples, they were understandably afraid because they had, they had something to be afraid of. Which leads to the next question is, does God care? Now, it sounds silly to us because Jesus is in the boat with them, right? He had invested interest in this. But maybe, maybe you felt this way during quarantine. Maybe you're now in a financial position where you're struggling to pay the bills and you're asking the question, God, do you care? Maybe it's a relationship struggle with a spouse or, or with your kids. Maybe it's, it's with your boss or, or, or family members and, and you're wondering, God, do you care about this? Maybe you're stressed about your job. The, the new technologies that you have to learn. Maybe your job has radically changed over the past few weeks. Maybe you're concerned about losing your job. God, do you care? How will I recover my lost savings? Will I ever be able to, to retire? Am I going to be able to finish school? Am I going to get married? Am I going to stay married? How, am I going to be able to feed my family? God, where are you in this? Don't you care that it feels like I'm drowning? Look at verse 39 says that Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. See, Jesus cares about you, period. But especially when you're in the middle of a storm. See, Jesus heard it and he saw the fear that his disciples had and he did something about it. And I, I think there's proof in this that he cares, right? Because he doesn't, he doesn't address them first, right? He, he addresses the issue first. If your kids wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares, you, you don't yell from your bed, hey, hey, just uh, suck it up, right? Rub some dirt on it. I got a Zoom call in the morning. I don't have time for this. No, you get up and you, you look under the bed, you look in the closet, you sit with them, you rub their back until, until they fall back asleep because your presence creates safety. See, Jesus' presence was all the proof that they needed. Yeah, storms are stressful. But what we see in the story is that Jesus is present and that Jesus responds even in the middle of the storm. He deals with the issue. And don't overlook this, right? Because this is unbelievable. God has a conversation with nature. I don't know. Maybe Jesus was grumpy when he woke up. I know when I, when I was in high school and, and I would come home after practice and have a nap, eventually my parents just stopped waking me up because I was so grumpy. They're like, let him sleep through dinner. He'll figure it out. And, and maybe the disciples were in the same place. Maybe drowning is a better option than waking him up because Jesus is going to be so grumpy. And we don't know if he was or not, but what we do know is that Jesus doesn't take it out on them. Instead, he commands nature. He tells the waves to stop. He tells the wind to, to be still, and, and it listens to him immediately. See, I've been watching the, the storm coverage over, over this last week, and, and meteorologists, if they get their job right half of the time, they're doing a great job. And here's the deal with meteorologists. They predict the weather, they report on the weather, but they never command the weather. 
but Jesus did. And nature listened to him. See, here's the truth that comes from this. There is nothing that is too big for God to handle in your life. Verse 40, he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, now it's Jesus' turn to ask some of the questions. And, and the third question he asks is, 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 why are you so afraid? And Jesus uses this moment to teach about fear and to teach about faith. The, the question that Jesus asks is actually in the present tense. It's basically Jesus saying, why are you still afraid? He had just controlled the storm. He had just settled things down. And in fact, the Greek word that, that is used there for afraid is, is a cowardly kind of fear. Have you ever been terrified about something, even though you were safe the entire time, right? When you discover that, when you realize you're safe, you don't immediately go back to normal, right? It takes a while for your, your heart rate to come back down. But I don't think that's what's happening with the disciples. I, I don't think they're, they're just have an elevated pulse during this. They're still afraid. And Jesus calls them out for it. See, for a lot of us, our, our fears, they tend to come from maybe this question. Why doesn't God act immediately? I mean, what we really mean by that is, God, why don't you do what I want you to do when I want you to do it? Maybe for you, you've been in, in, during quarantine in a, in a grocery store and you've been in the aisle, right? St kind of stuck in the middle when someone sneezes and, and immediately you're asking the question, Jesus, why did you let that happen, right? Or maybe your fears are a little, your fears are a little bit more serious. Maybe it's, I'm afraid that life isn't going to work out the way that I want it to, or I'm afraid that God isn't going to meet my needs. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid that my family won't make it through this. See, Jesus has proven multiple times for the disciples and, and for us that he has the power to do anything. And so he shifts the question and he asks the, the next question, which is this, is do you still have no faith? See, faith isn't just, just keep your chin up. It's not just be positive. We can get through this together. Faith isn't even the opposite of fear. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, according to Jesus, faith is a version of fear. You see, my fear, it directly impacts my faith. And the disciples, they, they place their faith in, in the storm. The, the disciples believe that the storm determined their destiny. And too often, just like the disciples, we underestimate the power of God to handle the crisis that we face in our lives. We fear the storm instead of having faith in God. Verse 41, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Which leads to the last question, who is this man? Now this may be the most amazing part of, of this entire story. I want you just for a second, wherever you are, just to try and put yourself in that situation, to, to put yourself in the disciples' shoes and in the, in the boat. Maybe there's still his water halfway up, up their legs, but how would you be feeling? Look at how they responded. Even after the storm was gone, right? They've seen Jesus perform a miracle right in front of their eyes. And it says that they were even, even more afraid. They were even more terrified after the storm than they were during the storm. Why? Because Jesus is awesome. <laughs> they're, they're terrified at how awesome Jesus is. I never want to lose that sense of awe in terms of who Jesus is and, and what he can do in my life. Yes, it was still fear, but now what had happened is that their fear had, had changed. They had put it in the properly placed source. So here's the bottom line. Faith isn't the absence of fear. It's just not forgetting who's really in control. Jesus questioned them. 
He said, after, after everything you've seen me do, after everything that we've experienced together, why did you put your faith in the, in the storm? And, and why did you think that that was going to determine your destiny? See, Jesus' faith was on display the entire time during this. He was able to sleep completely, completely free from fear because his faith was placed in, in his father. See, God's always bigger than my circumstances. He's always bigger than any storm I ever face. He's bigger than the virus that we're dealing with right now. And I can rest with him in charge. I love that question. Who is this man, right? That's a question we probably should ask ourselves every single day. Where does my destiny lie? Is it in a virus, in a, in a global pandemic? Is it in the economy? Is it in, in the government? Right? Just even answering that way, th those answers sound ridiculous. Jesus never promised that we won't face storms. He, he didn't promise that we're not going to, to face fears in our lives. But he asked us this question, why are you trusting the storm instead of trusting in me? The way we deal with our fears is to, to turn in faith to the one who's greater than our circumstances, the one who loves us, the one who's in control of all things. And as a result, we can fall asleep every single night with our confidence placed in Jesus. And so how do we develop this kind of faith? What does this look like in our lives? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, it has a whole list of, of people from all throughout the Bible, all throughout human history that had the kind of faith that we're looking for, that we're wanting in our lives. Here's the good news though. They were messed up. Every single one of them, when you read their stories, they, they were full of all kinds of, of dysfunction, but they're remembered not for their fears, they're not even remembered for their failures. They're remembered for their faith. And so the same can be true for you. The same can be true for me. Here's the first one. Faith is believing even when I don't see it. See, the disciples, they saw the storm and it was real and, and it was scary. But what they didn't see was that God was right there in the boat with them the whole time. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Have you ever heard the statement, I'll believe it when I see it? Maybe you've even said that before. See, I think God says, no, that's actually not the way it works. You will see it when you believe it. That's how it works in, in my kingdom. You might not see the answer to your problem. You might not see the, the solution in, in your circumstance, but it's not clear for us, right? Right now, what's going to be open, what we're going to be able to do six weeks from now, six months from now. We don't even know what's going to happen six days from now. But we can have faith that God is in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this virus with us. Rick Warren used to say this, look at the problem and you'll be distressed. Look within and you'll be depressed. But look at Jesus and you'll find rest. See, faith is believing even, even when we don't see it. Faith is also obeying when I don't understand it. The disciples understood the wind. They understood the, the waves, the, the fear of nearly drowning. What they didn't understand is why it was happening. They didn't understand where God was in, in the middle of this. They didn't understand what it was that God was trying to teach them. What do you do when a, when a storm blows in in your life? When, when you can't understand where God is, when you, when you don't know why is this happening to me? Well, here's the answer is you obey. You do what God has already told you to do. 
from reading his word, from, from what you hear on the weekend in messages, from, from what you discuss in your small groups together. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 7. It said this, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. See, it had never rained before. Up until this point for Noah, the water had just kind of come up from the ground. And one day God shows up and he says, Noah, I want you to build a, a giant boat in a landlocked country for rain that you've never seen before. And I love Noah because Noah's like, okay, God, right? And, and he just obeys and he does it. You know his HOA fined him, right, for, for this monstrosity in the driveway. You know that his neighbors complain because of the traffic in the cul-de-sac of people coming by taking selfies of the, of the picture. You know that his friends were sitting on lawn chairs on his front lawn making fun of him the entire time. You know that Noah's kids, you, I mean, you thought your parents are embarrassing, right? Maybe Elon Musk's kid is the only one that can relate to this, this level of embarrassment, Noah just simply trusted that God loved him. He trusted that God had a plan and that God's plans are perfect and that God is God and that he doesn't owe us an explanation, that God doesn't have to give us the details to his plans. We just obey. We do what it is that God asks us to do and then we can take naps in the middle of the storms that we face. Next one is this, faith is persisting even when I don't feel like it. It seems like the disciples did everything that they knew to do. And then as a last result, they turned and, and, and woke up God. I, I would encourage you to, to flip that order around. Hebrews eleven twenty seven 27 says this. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. See, there were 10 different times for Moses, right? During the plagues where he kept going to Pharaoh and say, release my people. And Pharaoh kept saying, absolutely not. And this happened over and over and over again. And then I think if I was Moses, right, I would imagine that by attempt five or six, I'd be like, God, I don't feel this anymore, right? Every time I go, even though you do something miraculous, it doesn't change Pharaoh's mind. See, I would encourage you that when a storm blows into your life, that your first step is to reach out to God immediately, and then you do everything that God asks you to do as he leads you through that, even if you don't feel like it. And maybe even more difficult, even when it doesn't feel good. See, faith just keeps going. Too often, most of us quit when it doesn't feel good, when it's, when it's not comfortable, when it's not going the way that we wanted it to go or it's not going fast enough. Faith says, God, I trust you. Whether it feels good or not, God, you're good. And so I'm going to, to put my trust in you. Next one is this. Faith is thanking God before I receive it. After Moses came Joshua, and, and, and Joshua in his story says that he was leading the nation of Israel into the promised land. And the first main obstacle that he ran into was the most fortified city in that land. But God had a plan for him. And he said, this is what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to take the, the people and I want you to, for six days, once a day, walk around the city. And on the seventh day, I want you to march seven times around it. And then I want you to attack. No, that's not what he said. He said, I want you to march seven times around it. And then lightning will strike. And, and no, he said, Moses or Joshua, he said, I want you to, to march around it seven times. And then I want you to blow your trumpets. Imagine trying to get the, your army behind this plan in, in your first battle as their, as their new leader. Hebrews 11.30 says this, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho seven days and the walls came crashing down. See, when we thank God after he does something for us, that's called gratitude. And that's incredibly important. We need to do that. 
But when we thank God in advance, before he shows up, before we see the answer or the solution, that's faith. Faith involves believing that the answer is on its way. Even if I don't see it, even if it's not in the timing that I want it to be in. Faith is trusting even when I don't get it. See, this one's probably the hardest one. Here's what we have to understand. God hears every one of our prayers, but God doesn't always answer the way that we want him to. Sometimes God answers yes, and we love it when, when God answers that way. Sometimes God answers no. And that one's not as, as easy for us to deal with in our lives. Sometimes God's answer is not yet. And waiting is incredibly hard, right? But we have to trust that, that his timing is better than our timing. Sometimes God says, you know what? There's a better way. And I want you to trust me. I want you to do things my way. So if God doesn't give you everything that you want when you want it, does it mean that he doesn't love you? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you give your kids everything that they want? The answer is no. This past week, Ty got his uh, wisdom teeth out and, and the dentist did an incredible job and we brought him home. And, and it was that same, the same day that later that night, he, uh, for dinner, he said, uh, uh, I want nachos. And so we gave it to him. No, of course we didn't, right? He was still high. And so we just gave him jello and told them that it was nachos and he totally fell for it. But when you love your kids, you, you don't always give them the things that they want. See, we often read through the Bible and we think, why doesn't God answer us? Why doesn't God interact with me the same way that he did with, with Moses and, and Noah and Abraham and, and David? See, the problem is, is that most of us don't finish Hebrews chapter 11. It closes with a list of people who didn't get what they asked for. It says this in, in verse 38, they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. See, what would change? What would change in your life if you could believe that even if you don't get what you want here and, and now, that God has something better in mind for you? See, the Bible has, there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. God will fulfill every single one of those promises, but he doesn't have to do it in this lifetime. He has all eternity to make those things happen. And so when we face fears, when we deal with those things in our lives, we have the option to turn to him and instead put our faith and trust in him than the storm or the virus or whatever it is that we face. Faith isn't the absence of fear. It's just not forgetting who's really in control. Will you bow with me as we pray? God, we love you. James, in, in, in the book of James, in chapter one, it says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. God, it's not because we love storms, that we love being in trouble, that we love the fear and the anxiety and the worry. But God, you wrote that because it gives us a chance to, to grow in our faith. It gives you a chance to show off how incredible you are. Father, I pray for people that are, are watching, that are, are listening today. And God, maybe they're just tired. They're tired of, of the constant battle of storms. They're tired of the troubles that they're dealing with in their lives, the, the fears that, that come as a result of that because they're trying to do it by themselves. They're trying to do it their way. 
And, and they're trying their best, they're trying their hardest, but maybe, maybe there's someone watching today that just recognizes that I need a savior. I need help because my way isn't working and I want to live a, a different way. God, for those that are out there that are in that place, would you just help them to believe this today? That God, you love them. That God, you're in control of everything. You created us to be in a relationship with you. God, would you help us to admit that, that we have sin in our lives? God, that, that we, our pride, our selfishness, our desire to do things our way, it's separated us from you. It's broken our relationship with you and that we aren't good enough to fix ourselves. And so God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you sent your son and that through his forgiveness, that we, or through his, his death and through his resurrection, that we have forgiveness, that we have freedom from our fears, freedom from our sin, that God, our faith can be established and, and rooted and, and solid on you because of the grace that you have offered to us, that we simply by faith, when we put our faith in you, that we know that we're, our relationship with you is restored, that we know that we have hope, not just for eternity with you, but we have hope now that you are with us in the middle of every storm that we face. And Father, for anyone that just prayed that prayer, that, that just kind of, that believes that, God, I pray that you would just encourage them today. I pray that, God, you would give them the boldness to tell someone so that, that they can help them begin this new journey with you. God, for all of us, we know it's not that there's not lots of things in our world to be afraid of. God, our world is so broken. There are so many things that bring fears into our lives. God, but would you help us to not listen to the lies that our fears tell us? God, there are so many things that are outside of our control, but we don't have to live in fear. And so God, would you help us to choose to focus on you, to walk in faith that you're in control, that you care, that there is nothing that's impossible for you. And so God, fill us with your presence and your power so that we can walk in faith with you today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.